Have you noticed that we've color coordinated today? <laughs> I know. We're both wearing black, although mine's a Barbie shirt. Oh, yeah, mine isn't. We're both in our booths. <laughs> I know. I bought it. Um, I did not buy it uh, because of the uh, Barbie movie. I bought it actually last year when Mahalia, my daughter, turned five. She had a Barbie birthday, oh. which was combined with Alana's uh, dinosaur birthday. So I... um photoshopped uh barbie's riding dinosaurs and uh <laughs> because barbie can do anything right she can yeah. even travel back in time and ride on sure. a dinosaur so she gonna have an oppenheimer birthday this year <laughs> <laughs> no no so jamie i'm i'm good i'm good i'm good today is actually sean my husband's 40th birthday oh congrats yeah to we're sean. recording this yeah we're recording this on the 28th and that is sean's birthday and we're headed to las vegas today oh yeah that's, that's fun got any shows you're going to or yeah planned? we're going to see cirque du soleil oh and we're going to eat at a bunch of really good restaurants we are not really um i would say typical vegas people <laughs> we're not like the kind of people that go for gambling or <laughs> debauchery <laughs> <laughs> well I wasn't going to go, I was going in the direction of like fanny pack slot machine you know fanny pack slot machine <laughs> that's my vision of what you guys would no we're like we're like the kind of people that are like okay we have twenty dollars Let's play one hand of blackjack. Oh, we won. Great. Now we have $40. Okay, now let's play. Oh, we lost it. Okay, let's go eat some food. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to Vegas. The only thing that attracts me to Vegas is they're going to have the Formula One there this year, which is, I'm very excited about. Oh, yeah. About. But, um, well, yeah. if you go, I'll come and say hi to you because it's not that far from us. So yeah, I know. I'd love to go. It's later in the year. I don't know, uh, November, I think? October? Something yeah, like that. that's a good time to go to Vegas. Yeah. So... What are we going to talk about today? Well, we uh, put out a poll in our Facebook group recently. And what did I what did I ask? What is your biggest challenge in voiceover right now? And we had some really interesting results, actually. And we're going to talk about the top three. We had a whole bunch of responses, um, but we're going to about talk the top three because they were somewhat significantly higher than the other responses. So yeah, we're going to talk about that. So do you want to dive into the first one? So confidence is number three. Yeah. I mean, you could just sing the song from Sound of Music, right? <laughs> I, <laughs> I have confidence in sunshine. <laughs> I think people no. would prefer it if you sang it. Yeah. No. All right. So how so how do you how do you get over that confidence hurdle? I think so many of us when we're starting anything have this kind of imposter syndrome where you really feel like you don't know what you're doing and everyone knows more than you do. And it's really hard to be confident in that situation. The best way in my life that I have learned to have confidence is to learn. <laughs> mm. You know, the more you hone your skills and the more you do something again and again and again, the more confident you become. And I watch this all the time with my kids. They're learning piano right now, and they're both 
terrible at piano. They are, <laughs> but they're only six and four, right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, they got time. But <laughs> I'm also terrible at piano, by the way. And I had like nine years of piano and I just, I don't know. But to watch them learn a song and to fail and fail and fail at it and to know the right way to do it and to not be able to do it, but then to practice and practice and practice and go to a lesson and learn how to do it again and again. And then the joy on their faces when they actually do it correctly is, it's like a lesson every time I see them do that. And it reminds me, you know, of myself and, in it, you know, learning how to record myself in voiceover, which I honestly, I think that that is a huge hurdle for people mm. is just learning the actual tech side of things, like how to press record, how to make sure that your levels are okay, how to edit things together, you know, how to be able to look at a script and know for yourself, this is going to take me four hours to complete, or this is going to take me five minutes to complete. And to be able to give an accurate timeline to your end client about when you're going to have something finished. I mean, there are just so many aspects of it that are that you only learn by doing. But to me, learning to record is kind of like learning to drive a stick shift. <laughs> Where like at first you're like, okay, put in the keys and press down the clutch. And then and then what do I do? Like put it in drive, I guess. Wait, but now it's moving. No, don't move. You know, like <laughs> we put it in one first. <laughs> yeah. But then yeah. once you get the hang of it, you can drive for Formula One. <laughs> I love how many Formula One references there are in this pod. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I've got a slightly different take on it, actually. I think education is important, but where the comparison to playing the piano is, is different, I think, for us is that it's so hard to know what is right <laughs> with what we do. If you play a song and you get the chords right and you sing the melody and you're not hitting bum notes and, you know, it's clear when you're doing it right or at least roughly in the right direction. But I think for us as talent, it's really hard to know, is this right? Uh, do people like this? Do people still like this? Like, does it work in this scenario versus that scenario? And so I think, I may be wrong, but I think for a lot of people, education can sometimes confuse people even more, like in to some degree. And so I think... For me, confidence came less from education and more from doing, which is what you did say. And I reached a point where confidence just became a non-issue. I wouldn't say I became like mega confident, but having a lack of confidence held me back for sure for a long time, which is sort of a self-defeating cycle really, because to become confident, you have to do, you know, and somewhat fail and overcome, like you were describing with the piano thing. But we, it's such a, it's such a varied job. This thing you have to really, really stick at it. And kind of, it's a bit like overcoming fear is 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 facing fear. You know, it's a kind of a mm -hmm. similar situation. And so, it reached a point where I did so. I don't know what the number is. I did a certain amount of sessions. I went to a certain amount of in-person castings, in-studio sessions where I just sort of slowly stopped being nervous and I slowly allowed myself to just be, you know. And it was a painfully gradual process for me. And But it did reach a threshold where I, I just don't, I don't know about you, but I just don't feel nervous about anything. I, I just walk into a session and if they like me, they like me. If they don't, they don't. Like 
if you get to the point where you're doing a session, they clearly want you to do the thing. So unless there's some external factor like you're ill or, you know, like the neighbors are demolishing their house or something, which is somewhat out of your control, you just do your thing and and you do the thing to the, to the best of your ability. And the responsibility of whether you are, quote unquote, good enough or right for the role is not yours. It is theirs. So confidence is a tricky one. I think, yeah, for sure. I think there's also a certain amount of fake it till you make it. Yeah. Which, as actors, I think we have the skill set to be able to do that a little bit better than the average person. Like, you were talking about facing fears. I used to have debilitating acrophobia debilitating. I could not even walk upstairs like to go in college. I couldn't walk up. My uh, voice teacher was on the third floor of this building and I had to walk up the stairs. I couldn't get past the first floor without having a panic attack because the stairs were like just platforms and you could like kind of see through them. Oh, yeah. Um, And it was awful. It was absolutely awful. It really affected my life. And I decided at some point, I was traveling with my choir in Taipei, <laughs> and Taipei 101 at the time was the tallest building in the world. So they were all going to the top of this building, and I was so afraid um, that I, I decided I was not going to go. <laughs> but I thought to myself, you know, this is really a problem. This is really affecting my life. And... I'm going to miss this awesome opportunity to go on the tallest building in the world because I'm scared. And the fear is not rational. Mm. Thousands of people go up there every day and are totally fine. Um, I'm not going to fall off the edge. I'm going to stay inside. Like it's, it's not a, it's not a rational fear based on statistics. And so I thought to myself, I'm just going to, as an actress, pretend, act, like I'm not afraid. How would a person behave if they were not afraid? What would their body language be like if they were not afraid? And so I got into the elevator and my heart was absolutely racing. But in my brain, I said, no, no, no. You are a person who's not afraid. If there was a camera on you right now, and like Steven Spielberg was saying, you're a person who's not afraid of heights. How would you hold? How would you carry yourself? And just the physical action of not holding tension and not letting myself go to that place of fear made me feel less afraid. And I got to the top and I was really scared. And I said, no, no, no. How would you behave if you weren't afraid? And I walked over and I looked over the edge and I was really afraid, but I kept my body calm and I just calmed myself down and I walked back off the <laughs> away from the edge. <laughs> and it got easier to be there the longer I was there. And it's the same with voiceover if you or performing live. If you tell yourself, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, oh my God, I'm afraid, you will be in a much worse position than if you say to yourself, I'm going to at least carry myself the way a person who is not afraid would carry themselves. Mm. That helps already. <laughs> not to say you can just cure your fears immediately, but that's at least a helpful step in the right direction of getting over that confidence problem is to behave like a person who has confidence. 
in your soul. Yeah, I 100% agree. I've I employed a very similar thing in my career. I've talked about this before, but I would always... I would use the threshold of the building. I'd walk through the front door of the building before we got onto the elevator and I would turn into a very confident version of myself that had no fear. And that sort of <laughs> fake it till you make it thing or was my way in. And it just I just retrained my brain <laughs> to be confident and comfortable and relaxed in sessions. And um, I think, you know, exposure therapy is is hugely beneficial for people and i think you know fear of the unknown is is a big part of the process so the more you do something the more you understand all the eventualities and you know this is relatively speaking quite a cushy job right there's not much to go really wrong um maybe <laughs> embarrassment is like the thing that's going to be <laughs> the worst thing you're I've not definitely been embarrassed before oh for sure <laughs> for sure yeah um but I think if you say to yourself, what is the worst thing? Like I walk in the lobby and like <laughs> trip over or something, you know, like that's like the worst thing that's going to happen. You're, you're not going to hurt yourself and you're not going to ruin your career by having a really crappy session. You know, you get a sneezing fit. Everyone understands what it's like to have some, something like that happen. People are much more sympathetic in reality to uh, human, you know, frailty. So... I've had situations where I don't know why I've been going to something arbitrary and I'll be like nervous and I'll, I'll say to my, why am I nervous about, about this? You know, it's nothing. And I can sort of talk myself down and it, it's like your brain doesn't know what to do with something and it misfires or something. I don't know. But yeah, I think in, in a broad sense, confidence, you know, you're sort of knocking down the unknown, one, one unknown thing after another and you're reprogramming your brain to stop those random misfires of adrenaline or whatever it is that, that it starts creating for you. But yeah, confidence, I think, happens. You have to sort of earn it, you know, in, in a way. Yeah. You can't sort of buy your way in into that with coaching. and Because to a certain degree, I think there's a little cynicism in there that, okay, you had a good session with a coach, but are they telling me that because I'm paying them? Yeah. <laughs> are they just trying to be nice? You know, they're, you're paying them at the end of the day. Where yeah. the rubber hits the road is if someone's willing to put money down and say, I want to buy your voice, you know, and that's, that's where gradually you start building confidence, I think. The other thing about coaching too, and I, I feel like I have a really opposite view on coaching from a lot of people. Um, I and this this actually kind of transitions nicely into the next point as well is knowing what makes you unique. Oh, we should probably say the confidence was twelve percent, and discovering what makes you unique in the industry is twenty one percent. So that's quite a big jump up. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, sorry, carry on. So coaches are wonderful, and I did some coaching in the beginning of my of my career. Um, I absolutely love taking classes. But I am not a person who likes coaching with people individually. And that is because um, I think it's because <laughs> I think it's because of my opera training and how intense coaching was when I was an opera singer and how like I literally had 
a teacher like grab my throat and like pull my larynx forward and leave marks on my throat and like yelling and you know opera is very physical so like we would get these pilates circles and you put it between your knees and you'd like sing and squeeze the pilates circle (laughs) at the same time and like sit-ups on the ground and all kinds of crazy stuff um and not that it was you know real (laughs) trauma but (laughs) but every time I coached with someone, uh, they might tell me a different thing about the same aria. And then I would have those people's voices in my head mm-hmm. as I was singing it. And it was not my own interpretation of what um, of what I wanted this aria to be. And I thought I was doing it wrong. Um, and I think I unfortunately have carried that over into voiceover so that when I coach with someone, I have their voice in my head instead of my own voice in my head. And having confidence and trusting yourself and knowing that you are unique is um, a huge part of going from student to artist. Um, and And then having the ability to take what a coach says in a session and say, I'm using this, I'm not using this because it doesn't serve me. And then going forward with confidence with that knowledge is also another thing that is hugely important if you want to coach. I do not, I'm not good at that. (laughs) (laughs) So I just, (laughs) I just don't coach individually. Mm -hmm. Um, I take classes. I love, I love classes. I love hearing what people have to say, but I don't, I would rather watch someone else do it and come to my own conclusion than have someone tell me specifically what I need to change because then I feel like I, I'm doing what, what they want instead of what I want. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sort of in a similar boat. I mean, I've taken very few classes in my career. You know, it's it's interesting. And I think I think maybe I could have gotten to a certain level quicker had I had certain type of coach at a certain time but the way i view coaching and retaining that individual spark whatever it is i view it very similarly to how i view managing your healthcare and in particularly in this country where there is not a sort of centralized system where you ultimately know you and you have to sort of cherry pick your specialists as you see fit and there isn't a system where unfortunately where everyone's talking to each other and and there's not some panel where they're figuring out what's best for jamie's health today right now you know and there's a certain responsibility on your shoulders to figure that out and sometimes it's you take a class with someone you do a workshop with someone you go to a conference and all of that information goes in and then you have to be the conductor of your own opera. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which is difficult when you're starting out because you don't necessarily know what you need and you don't necessarily know what makes you unique in the industry and what your individual attractive traits are. You know, it's that's what we're looking for, you know. But I think, I think the beauty of this, I've learned so much from studying all of this AI stuff, um, <laughs> like the legal implications of all of it and all the the data implications and the privacy stuff and the, we are all unique by default. Yeah. You know, every single person's voice print is so unique 
that it's it's equivalent to an iris scan or facial capture uh, recognition software or what not facial capture facial recognition software facial capture I was thinking about mocap earlier <laughs> I was going to make a point about mocap I'll make that point later it's as unique as as a fingerprint your voice print so unique that it is classified as biometric data in other countries and some U.S. states. <laughs> oh, really? we're hoping we're hoping we're hoping that it will be classified as biometric data. Uh, the U- United States over federally s- at some point. But um, but it's very unique. No one else sounds exactly like you. And no one else has your life experiences. No one else comes from the house that you grew up in. No one else, you know, played volleyball when they were in junior high and also lived in the same house that you grew up in and also sounds exactly like you, right? You are unique by default. So it's not so much, you know, figuring out like, this is what makes me unique. And so now I'm going to call myself like the nurse voice actor. And now I'm going to only put myself in this nurse land and have a website that's just about, you know, medical things and voiceover. Like, it's not so much that. A lot of it is figuring out, is is kind of just seeing how your career unfolds as mm-hmm. you do more auditions and as you get more opportunities. And you know, I might be great at promo. I don't know. I haven't gotten as many promo auditions in my life as I have commercials, and I do a ton of commercials. Maybe I'm terrible at promo, but or, and maybe someday I'll get hired by, you know, a big network TV company and I'll do a ton of promo and then those people will move on to another cable company and I'll do promo for all those people and promo will be my thing. But that has not happened and uh, yet. And we'll see if it unfolds that way as my voice gets older, too. You know, like you just don't know. So just follow your path and don't try and put yourself into a corner. Yeah, I agree. I agree (laughs) entirely. And to drill down on, I think, one point that you just said, I think when you're early on, you can become too obsessed with the your literal voice. (laughs) Uh, So much of why we get hired is because of the quality that we bring to the performance. And that is not just determined by the sound of our voice, but it's the vibe that we put across in the way we deliver our words and the emphasis that we put on things, the way we halt on certain things and the brightness or the sadness or, or, you know, really difficult to define qualities that make us unique that get us hired for whatever reason. And sometimes it's completely arbitrary, this the, the sort of cliche of, oh, you sound like my ex-husband, no thanks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that we can do nothing about. But when you're early in your career, you're just thinking it's all about putting on a voice and making you sound like an example of someone you think you need to sound like. And the more you get into it, the more you realize, no, 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 it's actually leaning into what makes me unique. And and so how what was the process for you like for finding out what makes you what it is that you do most effectively? I mean, I think that the way that my career has unfolded has almost more to do with my technical abilities than my voice qualities. Mm. Because I have I think I have a pretty generic sounding, you know, 30 something female sounding voice. I I don't have any weird quirks to my voice. I don't have, you know, an accent. I don't have 
my voice is not particularly high or particularly low. I would say it's like kind of in the medium, low, warm range. But the fact that I learned to record myself well and turn files around quickly has made people hire me again and again for a lot of things like e-learning. Because they know that if they send me a 10-page e-learning project, you know, that's like a few thousand words, we'll say maybe 9,000 words, like about an hour of material, I can turn that around to them within a few hours. Mm. And when you deliver that kind of fast turnaround with very, very few to no mistakes, I average usually like two mistakes per hour of, of finished material, people want to hire you more for that. Mm. And the more you do it, the more you learn how to do it. The I did not know what, you know, half of the medical words meant that I spoke about <laughs> in my first few years. Um, but then I narrated four different medical textbooks and I learned. And so now I'm really good at medical narration, but it's because I did the job of doing four medical textbooks <laughs> yeah. back in like 2016 or 2017. So now I get hired for that stuff all the time and I can say all kinds of weird words and I know exactly what they are because I've said them before. Um, but I have zero, zero experience, uh, formal education in medicine or biology. Um, it's all just from voiceover. Uh, so that's one thing. I, I, yeah, I think I think the technical ability has allowed me to do certain genres more than others. Um, yeah, but animation, like, I don't think I'm very good at animation. Every time I do an animation audition, I'm always like, Ugh, I, this is not very good. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I was going to say because I mean, the the point you make about being genre dependent is is hugely hugely relevant here, because in animation particularly. You know, spontaneity, creativity, stamina, you know, all that kind of stuff, being able to improvise, all that, and switch between characters, being able to talk to yourself, you know, as two different characters. All of those are very, very unique, specific skills that, for one thing, I think you have to be invested in to really yeah. work on and, and develop. If that's not really important to you, chances of you actually succeeding in those that genre is extremely low, particularly if you're mm-hmm. not in L.A. Um mm-hmm. But very few of those things are relevant in medical (laughs) improvisation, you know, or like character voices, you know. But so, you know, what makes you unique is your, and it's a bit like I think music, what makes you interesting in music is your, that weird combination of your skills and your interests um, that develop your unique voice in when you're a musician or, you know, singer or guitar player or pianist or whatever. It's the same in voiceover that weird confluence of all those skills that you have, the passions that you have, your life experience, the physical attributes of your th- mouth and your voice, you know, everything goes in to make you entirely unique. Um, yeah. And yeah, probably takes, it takes some time. For me, it, de- it also definitely took time to figure that stuff out. And I had a leg up with the technical stuff because I came from a, a recording background. Um, so that was beneficial. For me, it was a little confusing, actually, because I just thought, oh, British guy in America just really sell the British thing. But there's a lot of us over here. So it's more than that. And sometimes you want to get hired for things that you're not necessarily just hired for your shtick. You know, you're hired mm-hmm. for you. And so that can be a bit confusing if you are a niche voice speaking to all the the niche voices out there. 
that can sort of throw a wrench in, <laughs> in you figuring out who you are and what separates you from, from other people. I also, I have never wanted to market myself as one thing. No. Yeah. And that's because I actually really enjoy a lot of different kinds of voiceover. I love video games. Mm. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I've been fortunate to do quite a few since I since I moved to L.A. Uh, three years ago. And and a lot of them are still not out. <laughs> yeah. <no>. It's, <laughs> it's like so I annoying. recorded yeah. it like two years ago. Was, they're still not out. But like, I love it. I love I love I, I I yeah it's great but animation for some reason is like I just can't crack it. <laughs> well, it's you mentioned marketing, so shall we? Shall we jump on? Oh, sorry, did you want to? Yeah. Um, so no, yes, let's go into marketing. So there are absolute by quite a long stretch our top gripe <laughs> that people have with their careers is marketing slash getting my name out there with thirty five percent of the vote. So I think they're all connected. <laughs> um, and you were sort of going into that then. So what are your thoughts on marketing being the biggest beef? So I think there is... Okay, so first of all, let me just say, there are so many ways to do this job successfully. And really marketing yourself is one way that people find work they keep work, they keep clients, they get new stuff all the time, right? That's one way. But that is not the only way to get work and make a name for yourself. And in fact, it's not even always necessary. Depending on where you live, what genres you want to be in, all kinds of stuff, you know, you might not even really need to market very much. But I think in the Facebook groups and you know, in the voiceover community in general, there's kind of a general consensus that everyone should be marketing themselves. I, so like I said before, I love doing video games. I want to sometimes be like a badass commander woman. Mm. Sometimes I want to be a crazy psych ward patient in a video game, you know, um, but I also really like being a regular mom who's telling you about laundry detergent. If I branded myself on my website as the mom next door, if someone who's looking for me to be a crazy psych ward patient in a video game came over to my website and saw mom next door, that really does a disservice to me in that particular casting. In the same way, if I brand myself as like crazy punk rock, like commander and psych ward patient (laughs) (laughs) commander who goes into the psych ward (laughs) um if a if a wholesome laundry detergent brand comes to my website and they see all this like punk rock stuff they they might not want to hire me for that laundry detergent commercial because they're looking for the mom next door so to me like I definitely want to be true to myself and the different kinds of work that I do. But my website is, I think, uh, and my vibe is professional voice actor who can do a lot of different things. Not necessarily mom next door or biker chick or war person or, (laughs) or, you know... Whatever it happens to be. But that's also, like I said, because I have kind of a generic sounding voice. 
Yeah, and it really speaks to what we were talking about as the last point, which is what makes you unique. You know, there are some people that come into this that I just they they just want to work in video games or animation. And even within that, they only want to work in kind of fantasy, RPG kind of things. In that case, their branding and their marketing is very clear, right? <laughs> you know, that's that you know what you need to do. And you know what you need to do in terms of how you build your skills and develop what it is that you do, and then how you present that to the world. And we should be clear that branding is how you choose to present yourself to the world, and marketing is the process of getting that out to the world. Um, I think it really ties into figuring out who you are as a talent and what you want out of the industry, and combining that with the feedback that you've gotten from the industry. So what does... What are you getting hired for? What are you getting even likes for in your pay-to-plays? Or what are you getting holds for with your agent? And maybe you're not booking, but it, it's all clues into who you are as a talent. And like you said in the previous episode, Christian Lanz's comment of sort of following your dream rather than sort of forcing it, that's really informative in terms of how you then go and market yourself. Because you may come into this industry thinking or wanting to do a certain thing and then discovering oh, actually, I'm getting hired for a lot of medical, and I kind of like that work. It's pretty well paid. It allows me to <laughs> have a life that is, you know, a certain way. And so then you you pivot and you go in that direction. I think what a lot of people fall into when they start out is that they think, if only the world knew me. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and this is sort of, I guess, what you have to do to a certain degree is they just sort of throw everything at the wall and think, well, I just need to do direct marketing and I need to do this stuff on social media and I need to spend a ton of money on my website. And what ends up happening, I think, for a lot of people is they end up dropping the things that A, they're not invested in and they can't stick at and are not as effective and then focusing on the things that make sense for that market. Because how you market to a video game production company and get into the video game world is very different to if you're wanting to succeed in commercials. You know, there's not a lot of similarity in how you get the work other than maybe an agent is the key if you're handing that over to someone else to do for you. But it's top of the list for a reason, I think, because it is complicated and where some people find a huge amount of success, other people can't book to save their lives so you know while you it is confusing when you see people like i do direct marketing and i make thousands of dollars a week and it's really successful for me and for other people they are just sending out emails and it's just a massive waste of time so i think it's it's really difficult to model yourself on any one person in this industry i think it's really important that like with any kind of learning in what you do in voiceover you canvas as much education as you can and and figure out what's working for other people. And then you do a lot of science experiments and figure out, you know, what does work for me and and what am I comfortable doing? And, and I think particularly when it comes to marketing, what can I do in the most authentic way? Because if you are the kind of person that does not like bothering people and you feel really icky direct marketing and you're doing it in a really awkward way... I think it's going to be ineffective and I think you're not going to stick at it. And with something like that, it is a numbers game. You have to just sort of plug away and keep doing it. That's what that's I love what you're saying. And I completely agree. 
And that just goes back to what I said in in the very beginning, which is that every single person is different. Every single person is unique. And every single person has a different way that they approach doing this job. Hmm. Um, And that's on, you know, in every aspect. You and I record completely differently. Yeah. You know, Tracy Lindley and I get work totally differently. Yeah. (laughs) You know? She's very much a direct marketing person. She is exceptionally good at it. And I am not a direct marketing person. Like you said, it it makes me feel icky and I and I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to bother people, you know. Um, but uh we are both successful voice actors who, you know, make a living at this and do a lot of different kinds of work and both ways. Of, of getting to the end goal are correct and good and work for each of us. Yeah, that's no shade on anyone who does it a different way. It's just that it, it's what works for you doesn't work for someone else. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so I think marketing is vague for a reason and people are confused for a reason. And, and I would suggest that you try a bunch of stuff. Did, did you say suggest or suggest? <sighs> That has been playing on my brain for about how <laughs> when did that come? Was that a thing like five like days ago? Like two days. Or something? It was like two days. It's been playing on my brain ever since. And I asked Kate, my wife, I was like, "How do you say this word?" And she said it, what I would say normally. And I was like, "Break it up into syllables." And she said, "Suggest." I was like, "What?" Yep. <laughs> suggest. 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 Yes. Suggest. I've never heard people. I've never heard that hard G. In real what? life, <laughs> I say suggest all the time. Well, it, I didn't hear it. Yeah, but I didn't hear it then. It's it's I not. I say suggest audible. all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I don't hear it. It's not suggest. <clears throat> it's like it's a su- suggest. Suggest. Yeah, there's no hard G. Suggest. It's just suggest. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that's like to that's like to me when people say when people say frustrated. No, that's yes, obviously frustrating. You're missing the. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or when people I know say when no people say turmeric, rather than turmeric, turmeric. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's correct. an R in there. Yeah, there's an R in there. <laughs> Suggest. <laughs> but I am saying the G, but it's just J rather than gaja. Suggest. <laughs> This is another great example of how different people exactly. do different oh, things. Oh wow! How perfect! Yeah, no, there is no right or wrong in that one. There is, there is just regional differences. Well, there is. There's a more right and a less right. Not if you're in the UK, there isn't. I want to. I want to uh, survey. I'll put another poll out. Everyone in the UK has anyone ever said the word suggest? Said it. Yeah, said suggest. It like, I mean, even in America, people are arguing about it. So I don't even know if that's definitive. I think I think it's like data versus data, right? Both pronunciations are correct. There is a preferred pronunciation, which is data. Data is preferred. I looked I've looked this up a million times because I talk about data all the time in a million videos. Um, but Australians data say is data. Preferred. Well, I mean, different people. So you say <laughs> schedule. So <laughs> I, you know, that word. I don't even know what's right anymore. I don't even know what's normal. If you've lived in a country. If, a different country for long enough, you sort of forget what's instinctive to you because you second guess everything. And I don't even know if I say schedule or schedule anymore. It, it's you say just, schedule. Do I? 
Yeah, but every time you say schedule, I I make wince. <laughs> <laughs> so now I think you say schedule. And I really, I feel bad about that. You I, made me you know, paranoid. <laughs> my, my, my husband, Sean, he was born in England and he moved to America when he was seven. And um, he said that when he came to school, they used to call him English Muffin. <laughs> and so his British accent was teased out of him. Yeah. I don't think I've lost too much, even though I do, do get made fun of. I mean, it's nothing. But when you go back, do people say, oh, you sound really American? People say, oh, I can hear I can hear a little bit in there. Yeah. I do drop my T's a little, a little, a little bit, just like that, um, rather than a little bit. But there, is, there are certain words that I cannot get on board with. I can't say niche rather than niche. Cannot get on board with that. Oh, I say niche. Yeah, I know that's not a standard thing. Um, what is the other one? I actually terminology. Some I can't say parking lot. I I'm not used to saying parking lot. It has to be. It's it's, it's car instinctively park. car park to me. But uh, there is, I know what it's about not a lift? through lift elevator. Um, I would say lift because I'm. Yeah, it's difficult. I would say I have a much easier time over here than Kate does going to the UK. Oh, when she yeah. came over to the UK, it was like Bush era, and it was not a popular time to be American no. in Europe. So no. uh, I, I've got no complaints <laughs> at all. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so that was the poll. Those were the top three. We have uh, we just announced our keynote speaker for Costa Rica. Yes! You want to talk about it? We are having, if you didn't see the announcement, Jennifer Hale is going to be our keynote speaker in Costa Rica. How ex- oh, and, Or Costa Rica. Or Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we are absolutely thrilled. Um, yeah. Also, if you don't know, Jennifer Hale with her sister runs an organization called Skills Hub. And Skills Hub is an amazing uh, place where you can go and take classes and learn about the voiceover industry. And they're awesome. The The teachers that teach for them are some of the best in our industry. And um, definitely go check it out. Um, I pulled up the website a second ago. Hold on. Let me, let me just pull it up so I can give you the right URL. If you want to check it out, the, the website is acting.skillshub.life. And I'm reading from their website here. From total beginners to industry veterans, Skills Hub has everything you need in one place. <laughs> the Skills Hub Edge is the most effective way to start and build your voiceover career. Yeah. I love it. And it's taught by, uh, I mean, Jennifer, if if you are unaware, which you shouldn't be, but if you are unaware of her work, go on IMDb and, and check out her listing. It is insane. It is as long yeah. as your arm. She got last year... Um, she got the uh, Sovas Voice Arts Award uh, Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. And the speech that she gave at the uh, Voice Arts Awards was like, it gave me goosebumps. She <laughs> just, the way that she looks at this this career and the industry and um, all of us as actors is is just amazing and wonderful and i cannot wait for her keynote speech she's also going to be teaching a class at vocation costa rica and that's going to be amazing as well so and with with this event you know as as with previous events like in cancun you know you're there in a tropical paradise with these people hanging out all weekend so 
it is a great opportunity to connect with amazing people like Jennifer. Um, so tickets actually for Costa Rica are going on sale after this airs. I think we're putting out on Monday. Uh, it's they're going to be tickets will be available on Wednesday. Is that correct? Wednesday, Wednesday the second. Yes. So yeah, if you are interested. Yes. I would get there I, quick. I want to say too, <laughs> yes, get there quick because especially if you're thinking of getting a, a swim out room because we a lot of our a lot of our speakers have requested swim out rooms. They're like literally these are these are hotel rooms where you you have access to like a river. A, a pool, but a river pool that you walk out of your hotel suite and walk into the pool and you can you can swim or walk all the way over to the main pool from your hotel room. Um, and we don't have many of those left after a lot of our speakers have decided that they want them and they, sorry, I'm sorry, but they get first dibs. Yeah. The attendees. <laughs> and it works in reverse. So if you're like having a drink on some inflatable in the main pool, you can sort of drift yourself back to your room. <laughs> you can drift yourself back to your room. It's yeah. going to be great. And we have more speakers to announce um, soon. Uh, it's it's an incredible lineup. I'm absolutely thrilled um, about this conference, and I cannot wait to share it with all of you. And it's happening April 25th to 28th, 2024. So you've got some time yeah. to... Uh, you know, prepare yourself. Oh, and Wednesday the 2nd until um, August 9th, we are giving everyone an early bird discount of $100 off the, your conference ticket price. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you, you'll be able to get $100 off if you book before August 9th. Yeah. And in advance of that, if you want to attend Evocation, which is our virtual conference, which is the most accessible voiceover conference there is <laughs> because you can do it from home you can do it while you're cycling on a bicycle if you really want to yes um, you sure can. just don't don't look at the screen just listen to it you can go to vocationconference.com with uh, links to ticket sales we've just announced the schedule <laughs> hear what I did there um yes so yeah go to vocationconference.com and that is going to be september 8th to 10th this year so in a month and a bit and um well, yeah we've got some amazing speakers and we got lots of social events as part of that conference as well yeah, we so do. We do. Yeah, it's very it's very um communal also if you want to get your swag bag in the mail before the conference you must register for your ticket before august 8th which yep. is your birthday isn't it Jamie? it is <laughs> Which everyone it knows, is. of course. <laughs> My 41st, so I'm a bit ahead of Sean. You're 41st. <laughs> yes. All right. So on that depressing note. <laughs> oh, 41 is young. Yeah, it's not too bad. But also getting older is good too. Yeah, older and wiser. And I, I at least know who I am now. <laughs> For the most part. Yeah, to a certain degree. <laughs> We won't elaborate what that is. <laughs> All right. That's for a different podcast. Yes, exactly. Oh, and speaking of podcasts, listen to Soundstage Insider. It's my new podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all about the behind-the-scenes talent in film and TV. And I've got a whole bunch of episodes it. coming up with behind-the-scenes people from Star Wars, Ted Lasso, Only Murders in the Building, some really cool people. So, yeah, check it out. Amazing. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.